Hi everybody, this is Georgiana with a new episode of Employer Branding, the Inside Podcast. Today, another guest from the United States of America. His name is Luke Dobler. Welcome, Luke. Thank you so much for accepting my uh, invitation to take part in this podcast. Luke is a recruitment specialist, and he's also a thought leader, a business leader, a blogger. Uh, He's the founder of Recruitment Central. Please, Luke, if you can tell us a little bit about what you do and about what your company does. Yes, Georgiana. Uh, Greetings from uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota in the grand old United States. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Uh, My name is Luke Doubler. I own Recruiter Central. Our website is recruitercentral.io. Recruiter Central is an executive search firm. We have 12 employees and really we support all niches um, across the industries from executive recruiting down uh, through various level of um, skilled workers. Uh, The majority of our placements are in in engineers, some sort of STEM, science, technology, math type roles Uh, for various clients in the United States. uh, We have... um, we call a Fortune 50 or be some of the 50, the 50 largest publicly traded companies. I have several clients in the Fortune 50 and then clients as big as companies with 20 people. So uh, our clients range from very big to very small. Got it. As I was telling you before we uh, we met for this podcast, we are doing an employer branding podcast, right? So mostly I try to speak to people in Western Europe, specifically in Germany and in, in Romania, where I'm from and where I'm currently living. And we're trying to explore what employer branding looks like in the States, because it's pretty much of an enigma mm-hmm. to us, right? And since recruitment no. plays such an important role in employer branding, there you are today, but please, I interrupted you. Yeah, so honestly, uh, employment branding is kind of an enigma to a lot of employers here in the United States. I think a few things we need to point out is that, you know, kind of employment laws are different here in the United States, Uh, whereas in Europe, um, you know, they don't have at will. So in the United States, essentially, you can fire or quit uh, an employer for any reason, um, theoretically. And it doesn't happen that often. And there's definitely... um, other paths that uh, generally people can take, but uh, people change jobs a lot more in the United States, uh, especially now, uh, especially in, in the technology sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll see tenure, uh, tenures or length of employment ranging from one to two years, and that's not unusual at all. Uh, technologists, developers, and various other uh, individuals will often take other roles for various opportunities. And so uh, I, unlike Europe, I know it's uh, oftentimes the recruiting process is long. A lot of times in Europe, people spend their whole careers with uh, specific employers, and that's certainly not the case with everybody. Not in tech, but, not in tech yeah, though. Yes. But here in the United States, um, uh, changing jobs is uh, fairly easy, and it's very much a, a market right now as of 2022 where mm-hmm. – um, employers really are, are struggling right now, uh, specifically, you know, it, it's a candidate market. Um, you know, there's way more yeah. job postings than there are candidate availability. And, uh, and I would love to talk about that today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Perfect. Look, what types of clients do you have? And I'm, I'm asking this question because I'd like to understand and to know how many of the companies that you work with entertain the idea of you know, increasing retention by using employer branding, for example, or recruiting in a rather different or smarter way, if I could say so. 
Yeah. And so uh, you look at the old way of recruiting and really that was posting a job um, and uh, harvesting the people who apply for the job. And and really that's kind of uh, an archaic way of doing things now. If you look at some of the best practices in recruiting uh, across the platform or across the United States, um, people are, are, are really changing things aggressively. And so no longer is it just the job posting. You see um, videos of um, companies showing what it's like to work at, at, a, at a place. You see thought leaders up and speaking in front of target audiences, uh, really discussing the employment opportunity, really discussing the overall impact that their company is having you know, on a greater cause. Uh, it's really no longer just talking about the job, but it's really talking about the impact um, this role will have on either the company or, or the greater good. Uh, it's changed significantly. And there's so many different pieces of that that have changed. Um, You know, the job descriptions have gotten shorter with more videos in them, uh, more interaction, more links to social media. Uh, You have um, other people than recruiters recruiting for roles. Uh, You have hiring managers out there recruiting for roles. You have employment marketers um, talking about how great it is to work at a specific company. Um, You have people up in front of on stages talking in front of um, targeted audiences about uh, some new technology that they're using, or uh, some latest greatest invention um, that, that they've uh, that they've come up with. Um, there's just a litany of things that have changed, um, and I think we could talk about it specifically by niche if you would like. Uh, but um, you know, the, the employers that are losing in this time of post-COVID, uh, certainly time of the great resignation, um, you know, are the ones that are no longer just relying on a job posting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Keyword here being job posting, because this is also a topic we're touching in in some of the content that we create with our content platform, employerbranding.tech. I was wondering, based on your knowledge of the branch so far, how extended would you say the role of employer branding manager is in the U.S. at the moment? Well, it's become more important over the past couple of years, certainly. Um, If you look at some of the greatest uh, challenges that companies face now, their supply chains, uh, supply chain is a massive issue. Um, and then almost universally, it's staffing uh, behind that. Uh, you know, how are you going to compete with a, a market that isn't growing? In the United States, uh, almost 50 million people uh, quit their job in 2021. And we're still not back to our post-COVID employment rates. We're still one to two million jobs short of where we were in 2019. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, but uh, the simple fact is that the workforce isn't as, as big as it was. People either not wanting to be part of it, uh, people retiring, it's changed. And so em- employees are competing for a smaller audience unlike ever before. And in order to, to, to compete for that, they, they have to change things. And so uh, you're looking at things from, you know, with employment branding, you're talking about, you know, the whole offering. And so employment branding isn't just talking about how great a job is. It's talking about, well, we have flexible work arrangements. We, um, you know, we're doing X or Y. Um, it's so much more than just talking about a job uh, is what how employment branding has evolved. And, um, and you're seeing it everywhere. I mean, you look at, um, you know, some of the biggest companies uh, here in, in the United States, um, you know, their job postings have changed aggressively. And um, in the past couple of years, you've seen that evolve. Exactly. Let's 
touch a little bit on on retention because in the tech sector especially mm -hmm. here in Berlin, retention tends to be really really low we're talking about eight to ten months for someone mm -hmm. in tech developer the united states say. absolutely that, that's not really that it's uncommon same so i'm wondering is there a trend that we can predict is there are, are things going to change in this direction in the near future what do you think so if you look at technology, most of the people who would call themselves cutting edge technologists, some of the first questions they ask any employer is, you know, tell me about the tech stack. Tell me about my continuous learning opportunities. Tell me about the people I'm working with. And if you look at the change of pace of business and especially technology, it's only increasing and it will only get faster. Um, you look at the evolutions, um, you know, in the open source community, uh, you look at evolutions of the various technologies that are there. Um, the yeah. top candidates that are out there almost by just the, the way things change so fast, they have to evolve as well and, and, and be with that technology as well. And so the companies that are retaining people the best are the ones that are able to stay current with the changes in the industry. So what that looks like is they're giving their candidates or their employees opportunities for continuous education. They're allowing them to, um, you know, learn a new code base or attend a, a conference or even speak at a conference or get a new certification or, or do some sort of continuous training, uh, mm -hmm. knowing that technology is evolving faster than it ever has before. Uh, and then they're using that from an employment branding perspective on their jobs or in videos on their jobs talking about, you know, how they're giving their employees that opportunity to grow and learn. Um, a lot of times people don't leave, as I'm sure you may know, uh, a company for money. Um, yes. Very rarely do people leave companies just for money. It certainly does happen, but it's not just money. And so um, really understanding what your target audience is after uh, and then playing to those strengths. And so in the case of technologists, you know, there's never one you know, automatic solution for everybody. But generally speaking, technologists, you know, they, they want to learn, they want to grow, they want to be engaged with cool projects, they want to be paid well, um, they want to work with a fun and exciting team. Now, that's not always the case, but, uh, you know, that's a, a, maybe a good cross sample of, of the section that you're after here. And so, uh, you know, doing those things, incorporating those things into your, your, your the daily work is how top companies are retaining specifically yeah. tech talent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the great resignation now, because it's mm -hmm. a topic that everyone's talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And especially in the US, is it a myth or is it reality at the moment? So here's some stats here, and I'm taking this from SHRM, which is Society mm -hmm. of Human Resource Management. Um, is, it's really kind of a United States-based uh, professional organization. Is that Do you have that in Europe as well, SHRM? No, I'm, I'm not aware okay. of it. Okay, so that's really kind of a U.S. based, and we off Sherm is really kind of one of the large HR type of professional organizations that exist here in the United States. That's shrm.org, Sherm Society Human Resource Management. According to them, uh, 50 million workers roughly quit their job last year, and um, you know, not even you know, we're still two million people short of um, where we were in 2019, and uh, even the numbers that we have. Um, are pulling from individuals who weren't traditionally in the workforce. So if you look at industries like, um, say, you know, skilled labor to fairly unskilled labor, bus drivers, uh, mm -hmm. technicians, the only way that our society is operating in the United States is people have 
exited retirement and have rejoined the workforce or have taken maybe untraditional type roles to do that. If it wasn't for maybe an untraditional worker, we would really be in trouble here in the United States. Um, And there's a number of factors going on. Could be COVID, could be, you know, excessive um, unemployment benefits. It could be changes in in workforce expectations. Um, There's dozens and dozens of reasons why, but it certainly has happened. Um, For example, here in Minneapolis, we have a downtown area. During COVID, the occupancy rates of our downtown office buildings were less than 5%. you know, in 2018, 2019, it was 100% or 95%. Those occupancy rates are climbing, but there's still no more than 20% here in, in Minneapolis specifically. Now that's Minneapolis. And I think there's some echoing of those um, type trends, but certainly uh, no, I, w- I shouldn't say no, but the vast, vast majority of employers here in the upper Midwest are uh, remote or hybrid type learning environment. And um, the workforce, as we knew it, certainly, I don't see that ever coming back, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. It may come back somewhat to normal, but it, it's certainly never going to be exactly the same as it was. Mm-hmm. Now, let's let's move on to recruitment, a topic that mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll, you'll enjoy, and so will our listeners. Um, I'm wondering, what can recruiters do to persuade candidates to apply for a job? Yeah. So... Um, before the uh, COVID, I had hair, actually, believe it or not. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it made all my hair fall. I was so stressful being a recruiter. But uh, so, you know, recruiting is it, it's a tough time right now, and it's also a good time. Um, in, companies are struggling across the board to retain great talent. And, um, you know, the ones that have, have done it well are the ones that, um, you know, there's a lot of if, ands, or buts. But if I could put it into one particular theme that uh, the best employers and specifically the best recruiters are following is, is they're listening to their candidates. And so uh, if you, the best recruiters I know talk little and they listen more. Uh, really, a candidate's going to tell you why they're, they're interested in looking and, and it may not be what you think. And so you really need to understand from both an employer and a recruiter perspective is, you know, why is that person taking your call or why did that person apply? Uh, you don't want to lead with just spitting out the job and telling them all about the job because maybe that's not their main motivator. Maybe a subset of the, the specific job or it may just be the employment brand or it could be thousands of different things why the candidate that's is actually looking. And so the best recruiters that, that I know are the ones that listen first and really understand, you know, why is that person looking? And then, you know, if you have something as an employer that can match their goals or their wants or their needs, great. You know, let, let's start talking there. But don't ever assume anything as a recruiter. And you don't, I don't think it's a good idea to just lead with talking about, well, we have a great 401k or we have a great vacation program. You know, you have no idea if, that interests the candidate yes. or not, you might be wasting your time. Um, you know, you know. Tell me about you. What interests you? What are your career goals? What dri- drives you? Uh, what interests you? What motivates you? What encourages you to take my call today? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What interests you in our company in the end, right? right. Because it has to be mutual always. It's not just on, mm-hmm. the, on the one side. Mm, let's say that a job was vacant for 60 days, which I, I know for a fact is not unusual for some of the jobs that I hear about here in uh, Berlin. What should employers be looking to fix in such a case? Yeah, and so that's kind of your first red flag as a recruiter. You know, the job's been open 30, 60, even 90 days. Because to, and, to me, <clears throat> it 
seem like such a long time, but I'm guessing for a business, it's an eternity. Yeah, yeah, if, if it's a critical role. And, uh, you know, 2017, 2018, that would have been a massive red flag from a TA, talent acquisition leader, from an HR perspective, you know, what's going on. Now it's it's more common, but all, you know, as an agency recruiter like I am and my team are, the first question we need to understand is why. And a lot of times uh, HR and hiring managers always go to, well, it's a candidate flow issue. We don't have enough candidates. We need more candidates. Well, mm -hmm. if a job has been open for that long, that tells me something's off. Um, what is off? You know, we don't know what off is. Being off could be a thousand different things. Uh, and that's where we really value ourselves from a, you know, employment branding perspective, from a recruitment perspective is really understanding the why. Uh, so, you know, if it's been open for 60 days, 90 days, there's some, there's something off. And so really, really dig in to try to understand, you know, is it the compensation is the employment branding? Is it, you know, a crummy hiring manager that doesn't know how to interview? Is it, is there something wrong with the process? Is, is there, is there something off? So as recruiters, we have the option, we have the, I would say the, the privilege of, being in the market, understanding current trends, understanding compensation, understanding um, what's going on market trend wise and being able to bring that to the table. And so when we come to an intake session or strategy session with the hiring manager, a lot of times we have inklings about what may be going on. Yeah. It's always very helpful to talk to HR real quick to get in a second opinion, but then using data to really help persuade the conversation. I know one of our our clients here just uh, yesterday, you know, they're asking for a plant manager um, mm -hmm. in, in a rural location and they wanted to pay a certain amount. And um, well, that certain amount that they were looking to pay was about 40% under market value. Um, mm -hmm. It was just way off. And um, you can tell the hiring manager that, but uh, you can also show data. So other than showing the comp data, which we did, you know, five or six ideal profiles of candidates that yeah you'd be like yeah i want to interview them well you say well you know this is what they're making in the market this is what you know they could command from a comp perspective and 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 changing the conversation with facts and data versus just um you know throwing a resume at them and seeing if it sticks mm -hmm. of course of course you know coming back to employer branding a little bit how important would you say a career's page is for a company mm -hmm. and what does a good career page look like? Yeah, and so certainly there's a there's a lot of themes with with career pages, and and I think that it really you know you can ask an individual what they think of a career page, but it really doesn't matter unless you know it's the target audience that you're looking to to put your message in front of. So for example, let's say I am a, a you know, a technologist company and I'm, I'm looking to hire top technologists. Um, you know, as a recruiter, does it need to appeal to me? Well, not so much, you know, does it appeal to technologists? And so one of the ways that we like to do that is, you know, finding some of the best candidates or clients or employees that we have and asking them what they think of it. What's important to them as technologists? Um, you know, are we talking about the tech stack? Are you talking about things that you're building? Are you talking about what agile, which is a software release yeah. methodology, you know, that you use? Are you talking about, um, are you talking to your target audience? And so from a recruiting perspective, it's finding your target audience and putting your message into there. And so it, it may not appeal to everybody, but that's fine. It needs to appeal to the people you're looking to, to hire. 
And, exactly. and so a lot of times I see companies with subdivided career sections. And so they'll have, you know, an engineering team, software engineering that just talks about, you know, software engineering and all the things going on there. And then you have, say, supply chain, um, generally speaking, you know, themes that are relevant to supply chain people may not be relevant to engineering people. Um, and, and so knowing your target audience and then speaking to them. Furthermore, being a lot more proactive with um, with your employment branding message. And so rather than creating an awesome employment branding landing page, uh, you need to think about, well, you know, where is your target audience? And then also be putting your message there. And so where are they? Where are they congregating? What are they talking about? Where are they meeting? Uh, so putting your message in meetups, putting it on, uh, you know, having some of your top performers maybe contribute to open source on, on GitHub or Stack Overflow or speaking at a conference uh, and being an ambassador of that employment branding message. It's, it's such an easy thing to do in the end, right? Just ask the people that work with you. Yeah, it's, it's time consuming. Yes, they appreciate, right? It's, it's not difficult yeah. at all. Well, you don't assume. I mean, I'm a recruiter. You know, you know. I mean, I could say, yeah, that's great. You know, but I don't think you want me writing code for you. <laughs> it would be pretty rough. Uh, I could just code basic HTML myself, and so you know, it doesn't really matter what what I think. It matters what top talent who may be passively looking. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes, but it's it's always good to include your current employees in yes. all company culture or employment branding or recruitment marketing initiatives. I think everyone would be much happier if career pages would have just a little bit of input from the people actually working in the company. As opposed, yeah, that's to the evolution of the job. Rather than having a stale, stagnant job description, mm -hmm. the people are now the job description they are the walking talking ambassador of of the company um mm -hmm. you know they are the attractant to the company i mean as an and i know we're using the engineering example a lot but uh, you need to showcase your people and um you know you can listen to me all day as a recruiter but you're not going to be working with me i'm not going to be driving you and i'm not going to be growing you as a recruiter mm -hmm. uh, what matters is your peers and the people you're working with every day and you know, use them, showcase them, display them. Uh, that's 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 the new job description. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, totally, Luke. We're we're approaching the end of this discussion, and my last question to you is the following: Can you name two things that can make the life of a tech recruiter or a recruiter in general easier? Right, and so um, I would say one. Um, too many recruiters are too dependent on LinkedIn. Um, and I see that as a common theme. Now, I love LinkedIn. It's a big part of my life. So shout out to yeah, LinkedIn, yeah. of course. Uh, but, um, you know, if you're being a one-dimensional in-mail sending recruiter, you're going to be facing a lot of heartache uh, and not be making a lot of placements. Uh, you'll get some, but you won't be considered... Um, you know, high, high performing. Um, and so learn other tools besides LinkedIn and, and how to learn the tools is a lot easier than you might think. Uh, what we do as recruiters isn't brain surgery. So find two or three engineers that you like or would be willing to spend time with you and just ask them where they hang out, what they do. Um, you know, what have been some great messages they've gotten from recruiters? What have been some, you know, 
good grief yeah, messages yeah. they've gotten from recruiters. Uh, it's not anything crazy, but to sit down and listen to the top ones and and spend some time with them, learn to speak the way they speak, learn what they're into, learn what drives them. Um, don't live in a silo, even though a lot of us work remote now. Um, as a recruiter, mm -hmm. spend as much time with uh, the people that you're recruiting as as you can. So that's number one. Don't be a one-dimensional in-mail sending uh, recruiter. And two, um, you know, dedicate your life to learning and growing. So uh, I schedule at least a few hours, a few minutes every day to learn something new, uh, whether it be reading an article or speaking on a podcast or, or talking to somebody else. Uh, as a recruiter, it's our jobs to learn um, and to be professional recruiters. And uh, and with that comes growth. And so, you know, find your best recruiting blog you can. I would also say that most of the innovation in recruiting doesn't come from recruiting itself. A lot of our inspiration comes from others. So maybe uh, an actual brand marketer or um, an SEO or search engine optimization expert or um, a, a digital marketing expert. Uh, I encourage you as a recruiter to uh, find a subject matter expert outside of recruiting um, that can lend some of their skill sets to recruiting and, mm -hmm. and, and use that to drive innovation in your own industry. And I, I think that's available for all of us, right? Looking for inspiration elsewhere and finding mm -hmm. it where you wouldn't expect to, to actually find it. Wow, this has been super valuable input. Luke, thank you so much for, for talking to us today. I wish you all the best and um, yeah, let's, let's stay in touch. Thank you for your time. Good luck, everybody. This was Employer Branding, the Inside Podcast. You can find our podcasts on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and content on employer branding related themes on employerbranding.tech. Until the next time, stay tuned. Bye.